0: If the Bible says I am as a child of God, an heir of God, what exactly do I inherit? What is my inheritance? What is my heritage? Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I'm very glad this morning that we can be a house of hope for those who watched the rugby last night. <laughs> because I'm, I'm sure that maybe, you know, even though I know in this church there's no one that has made rugby an idol, no one here. No one here worships rugby, right? But, you know, maybe you're still kind of like, I'm hurt. <laughs> because it didn't go so well. <laughs> it's, of course, a much different picture in Irish churches today. <laughs> Top of the morning to your church. <laughs> it's beautiful what the lads did last night. Anyway. So, luckily, the good news of Jesus Christ is always the same. doesn't change. And um, we, uh, one of my... I think one or all of my children were going like, "We have to win." We, or my wife was going, "We have to win," because tomorrow is Heritage Day. <laughs> we have to win. Imagine how everyone will feel on Heritage Day if they don't win. That'll be horrible. And um, and I thought that's that's kind of sad in a way, but I understand. I understand it. Like it would be nicer, obviously, if we can go today. Yeah, the Bokke won. They did it in their weird white clothes, um, in their checkers pants. But it was. <laughs> You know, it was, it, was a, it was a tough game. Um, but it's amazing how much something like that can affect us, can affect our emotions, can affect our, our well-being, nah? And it's all connected to, to culture. It's all connected to where we come from. Um, most of us here, I'm sure, we grew up in this country. Most people grew up here, okay. Most of you grew up with, you know, rugby, cricket, and Braifles. Like that's normal, you know. And so it's very much part of our our earthly culture. And as we as we think of this day, Heritage Day, Erfenisdag, we we think of what is my heritage, and we should think about that. And a couple of years ago, I started asking this question, Lord, I grew up a certain way, certain language, certain culture, all these things, because I was born into that culture. But then I was born again. And the Bible says I died to self. And I became a new creation, and I'm now part of a different domain, a different kingdom. So what does that mean if I was born one way, then reborn, what is my heritage? What is the heritage that I'm supposed to live for, live from? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. If you have the Version Bible app, you can follow along on the notes there if you want on the events, um, but mostly there's scriptures and some thoughts. I'm probably going to say a few things that are not written down there, but I want to start in the beginning because it's a, it's a very good place to start. We start at the very B, a very good, well done, some of you were raised well. Okay. So Genesis 1, verse 1. This message today, by the way, sorry, let me do that first. The message today is called Heaven is My Heritage. Heaven is My Heritage. Did you know that? If you're born again, heaven is your heritage. Now, what is heaven? Where is it? What is it? What does it look like? And what exactly does it mean if it is my heritage? Because it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to understand it. So today, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to break this open to us in a way that will really empower us and encourage us. Amen? Amen? Hey, let's say okay. amen. Amen. Mooi. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the... The... Oh, is there an S? He created the? Heavens. And the earth. Genesis 2 verse 4. This is the history of the? Say heavens. And the? Earths. Oh, wait, no. Earth. When they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the? Heavens. John 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the capital W Word was with God. And the Word was God. And in the beginning with God. All things, everyone say all things. Okay, say it like you mean it. All All things. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. So if God created the Heavens and the Earth in the beginning, and in the beginning there was the Word, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then the heavens and the earth were created through the Word, Jesus. By God speaking, a word. Woo. Can you get excited about the Word of God? So good. All right. So in the very beginning, God made the heavens. And the Bible, we can read of at least three heavens. Did you know that? The first heaven, the Bible refers to quite a lot. And it speaks of the physical sky, the atmosphere that we can see. And most people, when they refer to heaven, they point up. Up right? The heavens. That's the hev- but that's actually the first heaven, singular technically. But we all understand that there's a sky, there's an atmosphere. Um, and for a long time, people thought that if they go just high enough, they will hit the heaven where God sits. And then they just kept going and they hit the moon. And <laughs> So we realized maybe there's something else going on. Um, the second heaven we read about is the unseen realm where angels and demons operate this we read about in ephesians 2 and ephesians 6 verse 12 ephesians 6 verse 12 says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood did you know that we don't wrestle we don't fight we don't compete against flesh and blood in other words physical things but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. Now there are, there's a whole message about these specific things that we can go, get into later. But for now, just know each one of these things are separate entities that operate in an unseen realm. Principalities, powers, rulers, rulers of the darkness of the age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. There are four different things operating, all right? Now, another verse tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. How many of you have woken up and walked outside and seen devils and Demons, devils, and angels fight it out in the sky right above your house physically. Have you? I know some people have that gift, but I'm speaking about the average person. Have you ever seen them fight in the heavens that you can see it? Anyone? All right. So if the Bible says they are there and they are real, and we know that demons are not in the third heaven, the paradise with God, then there must be a separate realm, a second heaven, we can call it, where they operate. Do we understand this? Some of you do, okay. There are spiritual forces operating, invisible entities or forces, and they can cause, this is when sometimes, have you ever prayed or been in a situation and you pray and you feel like, I'm stuck, I'm not getting anywhere? Anyone? All right. Now, Sometimes you have to go, you know, did I, is there sin in my life? Is there, did I do something? Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness in my life? Because sometimes that can be the reason. But if you've checked yourself and it's not that, you just feel like there's this heaviness. There's this, have you walked into a a place before or someone's house or some place where you, I mean, it's obvious that it's not a place that's, you know, God is there or people are praying there. You walk in and you feel the change in the spiritual realm. Have you ever felt that? All right. You don't see it you sense it on a spiritual level right okay and we we experience that quite a bit in Israel going from from literally from places where God is worshipped to places where other gods are worshipped and you walk like from here to there and the atmosphere shifts it's the craziest thing or you go to a place that, you know, a, a, a certain church group has dedicated that this is the place where it happened and you don't feel any peace. You don't feel God's presence there. And you go to another place and it's like, whoa, there's just that peace. And that is, that is what we're talking about. It's the spiritual realm that's operating. How many of you know the story in the Bible with Daniel where it says that he fasted or he prayed for 21 days and then the, an angel appeared to him and said to him, sorry, I'm late, bro me 21 days because I was fighting with the Prince of Persia. Have you, have you read that in the Bible? The angel doesn't really have that accent. I'm just kidding. But the, this, there was a, Daniel was petitioning in the spirit, spiritual realm, and there was an entity called the Prince of Persia that was coming against what he was praying. And the angel had to battle with that because through Daniel's prayer, an angel was assigned. And he won, but it took time. And sometimes we will experience that. That's, what ha- that's what's happening in that realm. But the great news is that if you read the whole Ephesians 6, and if you read 2 Corinthians 10, you will see that we have been given armor, and we've been given weapons. And we can, we can operate in that sphere. Amen? Then the third heaven is the dwelling place of God. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2-3, to Paul says that he was caught up into the third heaven. He specifically mentions he was caught up into the third heaven, a place that in other places are referred to as paradise. How many of you know that there was a thief hanging next to Jesus on the cross and he repented and Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in the tomb. No, in paradise. He didn't say heaven, he said paradise. Paradise is one of the references for the third heaven. we also see that in John 14 verse two and Luke 23. Then it's also referred to as a city designed and built by God, Hebrews eleven ten, A better country, Hebrews eleven sixteen. It is where we go when we die to be with God. Heaven, the third heaven is, is our future home, but our present hope. Heaven is our future home, but our present hope. But it's actually more than that, and we're going to see that just now. Jesus said that he had to go to the Father to prepare something. What did he prepare? A place. He says, my Father's house has many rooms. What do we do in a room? We stay there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Where is this house? This house is in paradise. This house is in the third heaven. Now, this was always used as a way of motivating believers. There's a verse where Jesus says, don't get excited about the fact that demons listen to you when you chase them out. Get excited about the fact that your name is written in the book of life. That's always more important than, is who you are in Christ. Amen. Now, our believers, our, sorry, our position as believers in terms of heaven we can see this in the, in the word of God is so powerful. Now, I want to take you back to when Jesus started his ministry. What did Jesus do when he started his ministry? After he was baptized by John, was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the enemy. The enemy tempted him. He said three times, it is written, Jesus knows the word better than anyone. He is the word. So when he, But even him, when he was tempted, used the word, to fight the enemy. How much more should we not do that? After he had done that, he was ministered to by angels and then he started his ministry. He called his disciples. He said, follow me, follow me, follow me. They dropped everything and followed him. And then he started to preach and he said, repent, which means change the way you think. You were thinking one way. I'm telling you, think this way. Repent for the kingdom of God heaven is at hand you've seen me do this before because i want you to know it's like at hand it's here it's now you can touch it you can feel it it is it's relevant and it's right now amen that was that's what jesus preached a kingdom how many of you know a kingdom is a domain led by a king someone owns it and there's real estate involved god made everything and owns everything. But then he gave authority to his son Jesus Christ. And not just some, all. The Bible says all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth was given to him. When he was glorified after fulfilling his mission. Now the question is, do you believe that the word of God is the word of God? Anyone? If you believe the word of God is the word of God, just say, Amen. Amen. Good. Now, the second question, the follow-up question is, will you obey what the Word of God says? Less yeses, okay. Will you let the Word of God purge you, make it difficult for you to face your sin, face your unholiness, face what needs to be changed, face the fact that you might be wrong about certain things? Are you willing to hear it, and then apply it to your life so that you can always be sanctified as you move with God because that's what the word of God does. Now, in John, in John 1 from verse 12, now this same Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a kingdom that is based in heaven, but it is available is what he is saying. Now, that's, that's what Jesus was preaching. Now, let's go back to what John 1 says in verse 12. It says, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Now, also read 1 John 3, verse 1 and verse 9. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Say, children of God. Say, I am a child of God. (laughs) Therefore, the world does not know us. I've got news for you, the world will never understand you, the world will never accept you, the world will never go, okay, I get it, you know, you be you, you do you, brew, and I will do me, and they will never do that, because they hate Jesus, and if you are one of his children, they will hate you too, therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him, Jesus, whoever, everybody say whoever, whoever has been born of God, does not sin. Excuse Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, Jesus' seed, his incorruptible seed, we've spoken about this a few times, remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. What? How many of you know that there are still people in, in, the, in the church sinning today? How many of you hear people often, especially what I call cultural Christians, go, I'm just human. I will keep on sinning. I am a sinner. They, they do that, right? Now, it gets complicated because 1 John 1, John, the same John says that if you say you have no sin, that you are a liar. So what is it though, Johnny? What it is, is that there's a version of you before Christ that if you lie about the fact or are in denial about the fact that you are a sinner in need of a savior, then you are lost. You're a liar. But when you are in Christ, you are saved by grace through faith. And the blood of Christ covers all your sins. And in the sight of God, through Jesus Christ, he does not see your sin. You are no longer a sinner. Amen? But how many of you know that you wake up the next day and you might still be tempted? You might still do things that you used to do that you know you shouldn't do. I know I have. So what is, what is the case for me? The case for me is spend time with God. Worship my God. Um, spend time in his word. Let his word cleanse me. Let me take the verse that says, be holy as Christ is holy, seriously. And say, well, it's possible. And if it's possible, then I will walk with my God as I am sanctified daily. We must, we must be very careful to understand that holiness is, there's a, I've spoken to you as we did the series on Romans, when we get saved, when I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that very instant, I am saved from the penalty of sin, which means I am on my way to the third heaven, to paradise. That's why the thief, how many of you know the thief hanging next to Jesus on the cross was not baptized with water? But he went to paradise. How many of you know he did not go to Sunday school? He went to paradise. Amen? So how, how could that be? It's because the moment you decide, yes, the, that moment you are in paradise. But there are levels in rewards in heaven. The longer we walk with Christ, the more we become more like him, the more our position in heaven will change. That's also a whole other sermon. But just know that in principle, the, the closer you come to god in this life the closer you will be to him in heaven okay you can be you know there's some people the, the bible refers to this <laughs> when you read paul it's like they made it a little net net gemaak op hulle stertvelle is hulle net net in die outer courts and hulle gaan die res van in die outer courts hang so hulle in hulle in but is net net in so there are levels there are rewards i don't want to get into that right now The important thing is to understand that is how it works. But to know that once you are saved from the penalty of sin, there's now a sanctification process to walk out in your life, which is a process of becoming more and more holy, where you now, because of the Holy Spirit, because you have been changed by Jesus, you are now free from the power of sin. And this is what John is also referring to, I believe, that if you are in Christ, you are no longer a sinner. Amen? All right, so this is now our identity in Christ. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We now know that if I receive this teaching of Jesus, this kingdom of Jesus, him as the king and the Lord and my savior, then I now have the right to be called a child of God. This is a legal term, a legal term that I have to understand. I am now adopted as a child of God and everything changes. Everything changes. The word of God teaches us further that these legitimate children of God have a legal right to be heirs of God and co-heirs of Jesus Christ. I've also shared that message with you. Now, if the Bible says, I am as a child of God, an heir of God, an heir of what? What exactly do I inherit? What is my inheritance? What is my heritage? Can you see it? All right. Well, a king rules over a kingdom, a king's domain. We know that Jesus rules over the same kingdom of heaven that he proclaimed when he started his ministry. So Jesus can say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because he runs the kingdom of heaven. So he can say, it's here. I am the kingdom. I represent the kingdom. So if I am born of God because I received Christ and I know I have the legal right to be called a child of God, then the biblical inheritance must kick in. To be an heir of God and a co-heir of Jesus Christ and part of the inheritance, that there's real estate. There's real estate in heaven. There's a place. There's literally a place. There's a room. He speaks about it. Amen? How many of you know the moment you gave your life to Christ, you scored some real estate? In heaven and Jesus paid for it how many of you ever been gifted a house wouldn't that be nice it happens when you give your life to Christ now you might be asking okay now which heaven we've spoken about three I think we can derive some answers from the Bible but there is still a mystery that we may not completely understand this side of heaven. But I'm going to attempt to show you some important things. First, think of this for a moment. When I'm born, I'm born into the physical realm on earth. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Singular earth, plural heavens. He said, and because of the fall of man, I'm born a sinner into a broken world. So when you were born as a baby, even as everyone's like, oh, you're so cute, you were a sinner. Okay, let that settle in. I know for some of you that's really hard. But as cute as you were, you were born a sinner into a broken world. And yes, I totally believe that God has grace. If anything happens to a a baby that wasn't born yet, or it happened shortly after birth, or as a young child even, I believe there's grace. I'm not gonna get into that right now. But in principle, we are all born into a broken world as sinners because of the fall of man. All right, are we on the same page? Okay. Now, because of that, we are now born into this earth, and there are principalities and and, and forces of darkness that are operating, that if they weren't able to kill you in the womb, or they weren't able to convince people to not have a child, now you were born. Now they're like, oh, shucks. Okay, we need to deal with this thing now. It's alive. And now they have, they have plans and strategies to break you down, to make sure that you will not end up serving Jesus. That's their plan. That's their mandate. Kill, steal, destroy. Are you with me? Why? Because they work for someone. They work for the evil one. They work for Satan. So their plan is to kill, steal, destroy. Well, there's a baby. Everyone says it's cute, but we're going to make sure that, that kid is hurt. We're going to influence someone to, to hurt that child in a way, to speak death over that child so that they sit with issues and cannot get to Christ. We're gonna, if that doesn't work, we're going to make sure that that child is hurt in church so that they get offended and never go back. If that doesn't work, we will just make sure that they have an accident and die. Because we're here to kill, steal, and destroy. So now you're a baby, you're born into this world. Do you know that in the animal kingdom, most animals get get dropped from birth and they have to just survive immediately? But for us, it's like years of being pampered. That's God's plan. He made you useless as a baby so that your parents have to look after you. (laughs) Because... That is, he wants to show you how much you need him as a father. Amen? Anyway, that's a side note. I threw that in for free. Now, now you have this body and soul that's been affected by the stuff that's going on in the second heaven. And that's happening on earth physically around you, but being influenced by the spiritual realm. Now let's say you have an encounter with the living God and you receive his son Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You repent, you get saved, you are born again, you are born of God, you're now a new creation, you are no longer in condemnation, you are no longer seen as a sinner, your past is wiped clean and your future is set for eternity in heaven. The Bible says I can now not only look forward to being caught up in the physical heaven with, sorry, I can now look forward to being caught up in the physical heaven that we see. The Bible speaks in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 17 that one day those who follow Christ will be caught up in the sky. That's the first heaven. So that's a physical thing according to what I understand from the Bible. So there will be from this physical earth where we were born and we faced all these things in the second heaven, there'll be a moment one day, if I'm born again, that I'll be caught up with Jesus, according to 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. That will be in the sky, the first heaven. And I can stand on Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians 10 that says, I have weapons and armor that are mighty in God for standing and fighting in the ongoing spiritual battles in the second heaven. So now that I'm equipped with weapons and equipped with armor, these things that are operating in second heaven, I don't need to be scared of it anymore. First of all, I wasn't maybe even aware of them. Now I'm aware. Now that I'm aware and I have weapons, they should be scared. How many of you are more scared of the spiritual realm than the spiritual realm is of you? Okay, that doesn't have to be that way. I'm going to show you why, okay. Plus, thirdly, I can know that my final destination is paradise with God in his big, big house. How many of you remember that song? It's a big, big house, lots and lots of rooms. Big, big, no one? Okay. Man, I'm showing my age. (laughs) All right. Now, one of the best uh, sources of understanding this is from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It explains our position in Christ with regards to heaven in such a powerful way. So I'm not gonna read all of it today because it's just not time, but I wanna show you some very important things about this. Okay, Ephesians 1 from verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the Heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Oh my word, that is so rich. There's so much going on there. Can you see how powerful the Word of God is? But note the term heavenly places. Some other translations say heavenly realms. Note the past tense. He has already blessed us. He has already blessed us with what? Some spiritual blessings. One, two, three. Every spiritual blessing. Where? Where are these spiritual blessings? In the heavenly places. In Christ. Who's our ticket to heaven? Who's our ticket to the spiritual realm in strength? Jesus Christ. In him, we have access to every spiritual blessing. Okay, is a blessing good or bad? What's a blessing? According to who? Me or God? All right, so this scripture talks about blessings in the heavenly places that are good according to God. Would you agree? All right, so as a born again, born of God, saved believer in Jesus Christ, we step into an inheritance, we are given a portion. We receive a heritage that's not perishable. It cannot die. It cannot go away. Remember, God said that we need to store up treasures in heaven. Now, what better thing can be a treasure in heaven than every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Do you see the connection? We need to focus on accumulating that which God deems valuable. We need to store up that what God says is precious, not what we think, amen? And note that it says in Christ, in Christ, he is central, he is the giver, he is the source of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So can we establish that, that in Christ Jesus we are and we have access to every spiritual blessing. Can you see that? Do you believe that? All right, so let's continue. Verse 17, it says, I pray... That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And that is my prayer for us as well today as we read this. That you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Who are the saints? Say, I am a saint. (laughs) the Bible refers to believers as saints. You have an inheritance. You are a saint. I'm not talking about Roman Catholic saints. There's a rigorous process to be classified as that. But the Bible calls all of us that are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ saints. Say, I'm a saint. I have an inheritance. And Paul wants you to know this. He says, and what I also want you to know is what is the exceeding greatness of, the, of His power towards us who believe. What is the exceeding power, exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? Okay, I just see this massive beam of light of His power shining on me as a believer. Do you see that? According to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and listen to this, when He raised Jesus from the dead, He seated him at his right hand, where? 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 Heavenly places. So God is there. So what heaven must it be? The third heaven. Okay, so Jesus is seated in the third heaven next to God, and and he goes on far above. Everyone say far above. With confidence, people, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Can you see that there's nothing that is beneath, that is above Jesus? Everything is beneath him. Can you see that? He's the name above every name. He is the holy one on the right hand side of God. Far above principality, power, might, and dominion. What does that sound like? The stuff that happens in the second heaven. He's above it. Can you see that? Now, Let's read Ephesians 2 from verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. Everybody say together. 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 Does that mean apart? Does it mean with each other? Does it, does it speak about far or close proximity? Together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together. Say together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Woo. Oh my word. Some of you don't get it because you're not excited. Tell your face, this is good news face this is good news I'm seated in heavenly places I have access to every spiritual blessing in heavenly places I want you to see yourself sitting in a massive seat in heaven next together with Jesus and when you reach out your hand you touch spiritual blessings can you see that you're used to sitting in a, in a cinema and watching a movie that takes your soul away from God and reaching out for popcorn. This is so much better. You are seated in heavenly places next to Christ. You're seated next to God and you have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The heavenly place that he's talking about, he just said that Jesus was raised above every principality and power. So he is seated there. He says, now we are together with him in that place. So what are you above as well? You are above the second heaven. You are above the spiritual principalities and powers that are trying to tell you that you're not, that are trying to tell you, no, 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 you are still on this earth. You are stuck between the physical heaven and the earth. You will not go anywhere else. I'm gonna tell you that you're useless. I'm gonna tell you that you can't do this. I'm gonna tell you that there's no future for you. But Jesus says, you are seated in heavenly places. Come on, yes. Why? There's a why. It's not just to sit there and chill. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us, the believers in Christ Jesus, for by grace you have been saved through faith that not only of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Saints, there's something to do. The spiritual blessings are not for you. It's for people around you. It's to sit there and know that I'm from here, but I'm still on earth. So I'm gonna be sitting here next to Jesus. This is my actual position of my spirit is in heavenly places. And I will reach out and take spiritual blessings as God leads me. And as my body is here on earth still and I've got a job to do, good works to do, I will take these spiritual blessings from heaven and I will bring it to earth because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's at hand through me as part of the church. Can you see that and get excited about it? Do you see that God first raised Christ into the heavenly places and then because of Christ and through Christ, believers have access to the same thing. We are given an elevated position, a seat, a delegated authority. We sit together with Christ. Yo, can you get this? Ephesians three, verse eight to 12. Oh my word, I don't have enough time for this. Okay, Jesus, listen to this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. So Paul, the one who wrote two thirds of the New Testament refers to himself as the least of all the saints. In another place, he calls himself the least of all sinners. He says, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the Fellowship of mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. See that reference to Genesis 1 and 1, John 1, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent. The intent, there's a reason why that now, in this time, in this age, now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? Jesus. The Holy Spirit. No, what does it say? The church. Who is the church? Say, I am the church. Now, the, oh, this is so, I'm gonna keep reading. To make known by the church to someone, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. According, to the eternal purpose which you accomplish in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. I'm sorry for all the introverts, but you have no excuse. In Christ Jesus, you're a new creation with boldness, with faith. Come on. You have what it takes. It's been given to you. Paul has been given a revelation. He has been given the download of a mystery that God has kept hidden for a long time and is about to share it with the church. He says, now the manifold wisdom, the multifaceted, the multi-level wisdom of God is to be made known to the church. This is a massive privilege, something that God has hidden, has kept away, has kept sacred. He's now revealing to the church. He's been waiting for his bride and he has a special gift for his bride. To the, and he says it's for us to take this mystery and to make it known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This means, saints, you have to speak up You have to proclaim, you have to declare. But if you don't have anything to proclaim or to declare, you need to spend time with God in His Word, in His presence, in the secret place so that when you open up your mouth, the things in the heavenly places will listen. When we read the whole context of Ephesians, we will see that this mystery is God's plan to extend the same grace that He did to the Jews as to all the Gentiles. You say, what? Why is that such a big deal? It's a massive deal. It's a massive deal that God, the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Jews has revealed the mystery that you know what? The Messiah that I promised you, it's not just for you. The kingdom that is at hand, it's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles, every unbeliever. This is good news. This is fantastic news. Every one of you here is a Gentile, as far as I know. So what does it mean? The job of the church is to declare, to make known to the powers and principalities in the second heaven, in the unseen spiritual realm, that the living God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob and his eternal plan of salvation is not just for the Jews, but for everyone, all people, all Gentiles around the world. That is our job, to speak it, to proclaim it, to declare it. Another way of putting it is that the church is called to proclaim the gospel to the Jew and the Gentile and that these two groups are to be one big blessed family in God through Jesus Christ. That is God's plan. In this action... If this action represents God's manifold wisdom being revealed, and if it is a God, if it's God's desire, it is necessary for the church to understand the significance of the spiritual realm and to understand how to operate in it. I saw this firsthand in Israel. There are people walking with veils of different kinds in Israel. People who have heard the gospel. People who have read the old scriptures. And they refuse. They refuse to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And because of that, there are, there's violence, there's outbursts, there are fights, there is disunity. It's a land divided more than I thought could be possible in one nation. It's all because, and, and, and how many of you know that the 30 acres of the Temple Mount is the most contested piece of real estate in the, in the whole world? Why? Because the church doesn't understand that we have the authority to speak to the principalities in the heavenly places and to declare that this is not truth. This is not the end. This is not how it's supposed to be. Imagine a church, a bride of Christ that knows exactly who they are in Christ, seated in heavenly places access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in this world but not from this world called by God given everything we need and we understand that we are not fighting from earth to the second heaven trying to get to the third heaven we are actually seated in the third heaven in our spirit being and we can speak, we can declare, we can rule, we can reign with Christ, in Christ, over what's happening on this earth. This is massive. This changes everything. Just in conclusion, for us to understand these things. Jesus himself said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, if it were of this world, my servants would fight physically so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus said in Matthew 16:19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in Heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Some of you still go, yeah, I don't get it. That's too difficult for me to understand. How is that possible? Why does my life look the way it does if this is true? Lack of revelation. Lack of spiritual knowledge and truth. And the only way to get that is in the secret quiet place with God under the leading of the Holy Spirit, and in a faith community where others call it out and help you and tell you how it is. But our citizenship is in heaven. In Philippians, Paul writes, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction and whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from, everybody say from, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that, in, that may be conformed to his glorious body. That talks about the end of the age when we now are seated in heaven, but still here on earth, that all comes together. And then we see the new earth, the new heaven. That's a whole other sermon as well. Finally, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is who you are. I almost wanted to say, this is Sparta, but that won't work. (laughs) This is who you are in Christ Jesus. Do you know that? Do you believe that? In a final summary, each one of us is a spiritual being inside a physical body with a soul each one of us has an original design which is to have spiritual intimacy with our creator in order to have that intimacy we need to be where he is together with him the only way to do that is to be born again through christ jesus so that we can have access and be seated together with christ in heavenly places when we receive Christ, we are born again, born of God. Our new life begins with a new address. We are, not citizens, we are now citizens of heaven, seated in heavenly places with access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In this world and not from this world and called to declare to the unseen second heaven, the mission of God to share the gospel with Jew and Gentile.